We're continuing on in our series called Liar, Liar. Turn to the person next to you and say, Liar, Liar. Boy, that'd get you in trouble right there, won't it? Liar, liar. That's right. And so uh, for you guys that weren't here last week, let's review for just a moment to get you guys kind of caught up. Our key scripture for the whole series is actually John chapter 8 and verse 32. And then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth doesn't set you free by itself. Knowing the truth will set you free. Come on, somebody. There's a lot of truth out there that I don't know yet. And so I'm ignorant and I don't have understanding. But once I know the truth from the word of God, then it'll set me free. And so our whole premise is that um, uh, in that book of John, chapter 8, Jesus continued on in that teaching talking about Satan being the father of lies. That he has been a liar from the beginning. That he is, uh, he is the disseminator of lies. And he used the term father. And last week we taught you that that wasn't a, 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 um, you know, a communication about Satan's gender being male or female. What Jesus was talking about was that Satan is the father of life. He is the propagator. He is the uh, generator of lies. And, what would, and not talking sexually now, but talking biologically. What a dad does, what a father does, is disseminate seed. And then what happens is only if that seed is received into the womb can it begin to germinate into something else and grow. And so what Jesus is saying is that Satan is the disseminator of lies. And when you and I receive it, we take on his nature as those lies begin to come inside of us. And last week we challenged ourselves, oh God, if there's anything that we have received, any lie that doesn't, that's contrary to who you are and what you believe. And we actually looked at that passage of scripture where Satan initially did this at the very beginning because Jesus said he was a murderer from the beginning and what he was talking about was Genesis chapter 3 where Adam and Eve uh, gave in to the lie of Satan and as a result uh, all humanity from that point forward was destroyed to have a, ha- have a short lifespan. we weren't going to live forever anymore death and destruction entered us oh but thank God our savior went down into the grave and defeated death come on somebody destruction and sin. He defeated it. And so now we live forevermore in eternity, not in this life, but in the life to come because of what he did on the cross. And so what we're talking about today is we're going to look into the... For the next couple of weeks, we're going to look into some of the key lies that Satan germinates that gets in our lives and causes us to lack faith, that causes us to have doubt, that causes us to live in sin, that causes us to have destructive patterns in our life. And so we're going to go back to that initial passage in Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to look at that. But before we do, here's our key verse for this Sunday's message. For The, 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 the title of this message is actually um, The Lie of Dissatisfaction. So let's look at the key scripture. It's found in Psalms 20. Verse 4 and 5. In fact, I'm going to have you read it out as a prayer, and we're going to kind of open with this as a prayer. This is a prayer, and, uh, and it actually is a statement of my heart. Uh, it's what the psalmist is doing, and I'd like you as well to pray it out with me by reading it on the screen. Would you, could you do that with me, starting in verse 4 now? Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth, and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Father, I ask you now to let this prayer be the prayer of every member, every visitor, every person watching online. Lord God, may this be the prayer of our hearts. Lord, teach us your ways. Lord, I know the ways of the world. I grew up wicked. Lord, I know the ways of doing street life. I know the ways of trying to do business. Lord, I want to know your ways. Teach us your ways. And Lord, teach us your truths. Not my truth, not what the professor said, not what the, not what the teacher said, not what my cousin said. Your truths, oh God. 
And I declare, Lord God, that you are God and you are my Lord. And so, Lord, I pray that, Lord, that would begin to actually disseminate inside of each and every one of us and drive out the lies of everything else. And, Lord, may your word come forth in power today and transform our lives in Jesus' name. And everybody shout it, amen and amen. Come on, everybody shout amen. So last week, uh, one, of, one of our faithful members uh, sent me an email and just said, listen, I want to testify what God did with last week's message in my life. Uh, don't say my name, but I at least want you to share with the people. And, uh, and it, was, it was perfect for uh, today. Just to kind of, you know, going back on what God did last week, he said, uh, they said, I just want to thank you for listening to God and doing this series. I always learn and grow through the messages, but God used this one to hit me right on the spot. I had been blindsided this week by a reprimand at work and at first really wanted to resist acknowledging it. In every story, there are two sides. And unfortunately, my young administrator is often making multiple mistakes, which makes it easy for me to focus on him and not on me. However, I really ask God to guide and reveal to me if it's true, the reprimand. And, uh, and he did, thankfully. He revealed it is a part of the pruning process in me, and I'm so grateful. I emailed your administrator yesterday and humbled myself and apologized, uh, excuse me, my administrator. Wow. I emailed my administrator yesterday and humbly and humbled myself and apologized and agreed to work on this area. God is gracious, and he used this to reassure me that I was on course as this was a scary and a hard thing to do. I'm asking God now to help me to truly change, and I know what he reveals, he will heal. Come on, isn't that a great testimony? Thank you uh, for sharing that. And so as we jump into this, let's look at the original lie. So there's a lot of lies that Satan propagates, and he is the father of lies, according to John 8. And we know that from last week, that he, that he can't even tell the truth. What comes out of him is lies, because he is a liar from the beginning, is what Jesus said. So let's look at his beginning lie that he used to destroy humanity. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. In other words, the same tactics that Satan's been using thousands of years ago, he's still using today. You know why? Because they work. So let's go back to one of his original tactics, one of his original lies, and the destruction that he brought to humanity actually destroyed humanity with this one lie, and I'm calling it the lie of dissatisfaction. So let's look, if you will, uh, with me in Genesis chapter 3, and let's read verse 1 through 5. We read verses 2 through 5 last week. We're going to start back at verse 1 now and kind of break this passage down. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. And he said to the woman... Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, last week, I kind of illustrated that with the serpent look with moving my tongue around, but my wife said that was gross and don't do it again. So I'm going to live in submission. There we go. Verse 2, and the woman said to the servant, serpent, uh, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say we must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and we must not touch it or you will die. Verse 4, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so Satan literally starts out in deceiving humanity and destroying perfection with simply the lie of what I'm calling dissatisfaction. Notice how he opens this up. He opens it up with one of his great tools and, 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 he's, and he, challenges God's, he challenges God's directives. And he says, did God really say... Like, are you kidding me that you can't eat from the trees in the garden? And Eve's like, no, 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 no. He said, he knows exactly what God said. He said we could eat from all the trees, just not the one in the middle. 
So he starts out with challenging God's directive. He knew good and well what God had said. He understood exactly what God had meant. And he knew the power of directing the people of God, God's sons and daughters, away from God's directives. Because if I can get them to disobey his directives, then I will destroy their lives. So he started from the very beginning. But he couldn't just go to them and say, God's an idiot. God's stupid. Why you be listening to him? He can't do that. So what he does is in in manipulation, he moves into dissatisfaction, trying to get them to a place of dissatisfaction. Can I ask you a question? How dissatisfied can you be living in paradise? They're in paradise. Every now and then, you know, I'll watch Wheel of Fortune and, you know, someone will win win the the trip of the day and they start showing it and my kids are sitting there and they're like, Dad, we want to go there. It shows the waterfalls out in, you know, one of these island chains or something like, and all the people suntan and looking beautiful, ding, with the little smile looking. And man, no worries in life. And I'm always thinking, I want to go there. That must be paradise. Friend, I want to tell you what paradise was like. They were naked and didn't even know it. Think about that. Do you think about living in the woods naked? Some of y'all been watching that naked and in the woods and stuff. Y'all need to stop watching that thing. And I ain't never really watched it, but I saw a clip from it one time. And I don't know about you, but I do not want to be naked out in the woods. Come on now. How in the world? Like, I don't, where, where, does, where do I sit? Like, ow, ow, like, ow. Dang, ow, snot, ow, crud, ow. They don't have any of that. There are no thistles. There are no thorns. Come on, somebody. They're in paradise. No bad breath. Sickness. They don't wake up with snotty nose breath. Come on now. They, they, they don't. There's no bad breath. There's no sickness. There's no, there's no infirmity. There's no bad thoughts. There's no anger. Come on. They're, they're perfectly married without disagreement. Come on. We want to get back to paradise. I'm going to tell you that right now. They are living in paradise. How could paradise, how could there be something better? But he has to get them dissatisfied to get them to turn against God. And he starts with, and this is what Satan always does, he attacks God's directives. All throughout Scripture, God has given us clear directives. I don't know about you, but um, my children are pretty good kids. And I think part of the reason why is because years ago I learned there's a difference between making a suggestion and giving a directive. I have employees, I have people who work for me, I work for other people. And, And a suggestion is damaging because I don't know, like... Do you want me to whip you? Uh, how am I supposed to answer that? Like, yes, please, I need discipline. Never had a kid do that. That's stupid to make a suggestion like that. What you need to say is, hey, clean your room in the next 10 minutes. And if you don't, then I'm going to whip you. So there's a clear communication and a clear outcome. It's wonderful. And if you do, guess what? You'll be blessed and get to keep living in my house. It'll be awesome. Okay, so God, throughout Scripture, lays out directives, and then he, at the same time, he gives us free will, right? He gives us free will, and, and he allows us to be creative and, and, and move forward and challenge things and come up with new things and, 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 move, and, and just you know, build on things that we already know. It's amazing how God does it. Now, if it were me, I wouldn't have given you free will. I would have made all of you suckers serve me. If I'd have been God, you'd be like, I can't stop. I have to raise my hand and worship to him. I wouldn't have given you free will. But God, in his sovereignty and his love for us, gave us free will. So we get to choose to love him or not love him, obey him or not obey him. But he gives clear directives all throughout Scripture. He gave clear directive in the garden. You can eat anything. I have, I've given you paradise. And I have withheld from you sickness and disease. I've withheld from you lies and manipulation. I've withheld from you adulterous affairs. I've withheld all that from you. I've kept it from you and put you in paradise where you can live it. But in the middle of that garden, there's a tree. Just don't touch that. 
And they were like, yes, no problem, until Satan comes. And he goes, did he, did he really tell you that? That you can't eat of the trees in the garden? He's not talking about the one tree. He's talking about all of them. He said he wouldn't let you. No, no, he didn't say that. He just said we couldn't eat of one. One. <laughs> he won't let you eat of one. And he moves in to giving them a lie of dissatisfaction. And that lie has three components. And I want to break those down for you for just a moment. Let's start with the first component of his lie. And that is, number one, there is something better. There is something better. Verse 5, he says, huh, you know why he says that, right? Because if you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like him. What? What? That's right. There's something better out there for you. See? He just, look what he's done. He don't want you to have it. There's something better out there and you don't have it. Listen, some of you guys were so happy in your marriage until you started getting on Facebook. And you started realizing, I went to school with her. She was fat and ugly and dumb. And now she's married to this guy. He's got abs. He's making $800,000 a year. They going on vacation every week. And we hadn't been on vacation in four years, you lazy bum. You were so satisfied until someone else began to tell you what you don't have that someone else has. There's something better for you. Listen, I want to tell you something. This beautiful lady, Miss Jamie, sitting on the front row, she is married to the greatest guy on the planet. That's not really true, but pretty good. And listen, I know, listen, I know my weaknesses and I know my strengths and, 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 and we have a great marriage. But there is, there, she loves good stuff. She, she really likes musicals. It's, her family is cultured and I'm not. And, um, and, and so, so, you know, she would love for me to be more romantic and take her to musicals. And I tried when we were first dating and stuff and I I just, I just can't do it, man. I can't have, I I just struggle. I mean, she's been trying to get me to go see the greatest showman and I just won't go see it because I just struggle with men singing to me. We're going to beat you up. We're going to beat them up. Let's beat them up. Here we come right now with our chains. I was like, dude, just beat somebody up. Blow something up, bro. Don't sing about it. I mean... Golly, I'm driving you, Miss Daisy. We're driving. It's like, don't sing about it. Drive the car. That's just how I'm wired, right? And so I know that there's some dude out there that's more romantic, that's more cultured, that could take her to all those movies, and I mean, all those plays and stuff. And I know she's trying to work the white trash out of me, but at the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, She's got it good, ladies and gentlemen. Let me just say it. And I got it good. But what happens is, is that the enemy, the enemy will start working in that dissatisfaction and say, there's something better. There's something better. Otherwise, look what you're missing out on. Look look what's happened in your life. And so what happens a lot of times in our life, many of you kind of got saved when you were kids or went to church and mom and dad made you go. And what happened was you were going to, you know, Bible study and going to vacation Bible school and you got that truth down in you. Oh, God's good. Yes, he is. And being a Christian is awesome. I love it. And your mom and dad taught you scriptures and it's so wonderful to praise the Lord and God is so good. And then you hit junior high. And in junior high, you found out, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm going to tell my mama to shut up just like he told his mama to shut up. Do that at my house, see what happens. <laughs> what happened is all these lies started getting in and they started like, it's okay. And they, oh, you know what you're missing out on? You're missing out on, ooh, listen, they, everybody having sex and it's so much fun. You ain't but 12, but it's all right, go try it out. And you, ooh, I'm missing out. Man, how am I, I ain't got a girlfriend, I ain't got a boyfriend. My daughter is in fourth grade and they all talking about boyfriend and girlfriends. I like, let them show up at my house. This little kid last year in third grade brought her some chocolate for, Thanksgiving, for Valentine's Day. 
showed up at my house. I started eating the chocolate. She's like, Dad, you're eating my chocolate. I was like, I'm sorry, what? Why you, you don't have a chocolate candy box. Obviously, that little boy at school brought it to me because he know better than to bring it to my third grade little daughter, right? She's like, okay, Daddy, you just go ahead and eat those chocolates. I guess that was for you. Well, what happens is we get full of all of these lies. We don't even realize it. Look, they just everywhere. They're falling out all over the place. And what happened was, yeah, you kind of grew up in church and you knew some things. But the problem is those little truths are overwhelmed by all the lies of what you learned in college, what you experienced in high school. Come on, somebody. And so I'm preaching and trying to get you some more truth in there. and just falling over the top. Why? Because that space has already been taken. And the problem, so you come to church because you're like, I know I better go to church. I ain't going to burn in hell forever. But why are you looking at other women? Because some kind of dissatisfaction's gotten in there because of a lie that you've received that there's something better over there. Why do you keep bouncing from job to job to job to job? Because it's not good enough. Dissatisfaction's gotten in there. And his first component of that whole dissatisfaction is that there's something else out there better. Friend, can I just tell you something? Let me, bro, let me just help you. She's gorgeous, and she puts up with your fat, ugly self. You got the woman of your dreams. Hold on to her. Ain't nothing else out there better. Sweet love. I know he might not be romantic, but he comes home. He works hard. He's trying. He's trying. He's, he's sitting in church with you. Like, man, I'll go and hear that crazy pastor, but that's it. I ain't doing no small group or nothing like that. But he's here. Listen, when you and I begin to dream that there's something better out there, that is proof that that lie of dissatisfaction has started. That's what he did with them. He knows. See, God knows there's something else. <laughs> and look at you. <laughs> you so, you so immature. You don't know nothing. There's so much more, but he don't want you to have it. And that's the second piece, a second part of his his uh, content of this lie of dissatisfaction. Number one, there's something better. Number two, but somebody won't let you. Somebody or something won't let you have it. Somebody or something won't let you have it. I can't tell you how many people Jamie and I have counseled where this woman looked up one day. And she got three kids, four kids, and she, she's, she's, you know, working out 24 hours a day and talking about leaving her husband and her kids because she didn't get to have her youth because she got married young. And, and, and if it wasn't for the kids, how great. It wasn't for her husband. If it wasn't for this, it wasn't that she got, got pregnant when she, they were, were, you know, first married. They could have had a better life. And, all. and there's always, that's a part of this dissatisfaction lie. That's one of the components and he literally, look, look what he tells her again in verse 5. Look at what, what Satan said. He says, God knows that if you eat of this fruit, you'll be just like him. See, God's standing in your way from being just like him. He knows that if you eat of this fruit, that you're going to be just like him. He, he don't want that. He's scared of that. There's something better. God is standing in your way from having it. There's something so much better than what you got right now. They're in paradise. People are still trying to find paradise. People, there are archaeologists that think that they found it over here, and then they go over here and all this kind of stuff, and they can't find it. Most scholars believe it was destroyed in the flood. If nothing else, it's at least destroyed then. But that paradise of perfection where there's no sickness, there's no disease, there's no fighting. There's no, I mean, they're walking around naked and don't even know it. Mosquitoes aren't even biting them. Come on, somebody. They're not hungry. Food is growing for them. They don't have to work. Oh, my God, I want to get to paradise. They don't have to labor. They would have lived forever. What else could be better? But what he has to do is he has to insert a lie that what you got right now is not good enough. But good enough, then you could walk in contentment. Because if it's good enough, that means God is good. 
Because if it's good enough, then that means that God's got you in the palm of his hand and his ways are higher than our ways. But what this whole thing is, it's an attack against you trusting Jesus. Dissatisfaction, the lie of dissatisfaction is an attack against you and I fully putting our trust in God. Because he looks at her and he goes, don't you know there's so much better out there? Can't you believe? God doesn't want you to have it. And then he starts instituting. Someone else is in the way of your satisfaction. Someone else is in the way of you having your dreams come true. Frank, can I tell you something? This is the lie of dissatisfaction. I'll tell you, he's been playing the same card game. He's been using the same prosecuting plan from the very beginning. He's using it on you and me today, and it's time that we get that thing out. Here's the third component of, his, of this lie of dissatisfaction. You ready to write this down? And that is crossing the boundary is okay because you need it. So he brings Adam and Eve are there at the tree, obviously. Adam ain't out in the woods doing something fun. He's standing right there with Eve. And the Bible says she takes of the fruit and she sees that it's good. Frank, can I tell you, sin is good for a season. It is good for a moment. But the end thereof is death. It's fun. It's exciting. That's why so many, many of us run to it. And then we see the end result and it's destructive. And so she sees that it's good. Why? Because I got to have it. I'm deserving of it. I, I deserve this. I work hard for this. I work so hard. I deserve to drink a case of beer at the end of the week. I deserve that. And, and that little scripture stuff, and little preacher guy, he doesn't know what he's talking about. See, I, I, I struggle with this same principle as well. Because I don't, I don't feel like 40 miles an hour zone. <sighs> I, just, I just feel like that's for other people who can't drive. And so I will cross that line, sin, it's rebellion, it's sin in me. I will cross that line, you know why? Because you know what, that's really for somebody else, it's not really for me. What happens in the moment where I'm doing 60 and a 40 and I hit a kid on a bicycle and kill him? See, I, that same rebellion is in me. And so Adam and Eve eat of the fruit and in that moment of crossing the boundary, of crossing the line. Why? Because I need it. Because I deserve it. The moment they move into sin, if you will, the moment they move into it, they destroy humanity. Perfection is gone. Paradise is over. God kicks them out of the garden, puts an angel with a flaming sword at the front of it where they can't get in, and then their lifespan becomes limited to the place that now the average lifespan is, what, 80, 82, something like that, which is greater than it was even 20 years ago. But can you imagine death and destruction happened all because I know there's a line there. I know this is sin. But you know what? I deserve this because of this. And we step over it. And this is how destruction and destructive patterns happen in our life. I know it's sin. But I'm going to do it anyway. Why? Because I deserve it. I'm impervious to that. That's really for everybody else is the way we justify it. But what's happened is, is let me ask you this. Is God not good? Does he not love us? Is his ways not higher than our ways? So if God sets a directive, if he says this is this is sin, this is right, and this is wrong, so what's then why would we not live by that? Because he's got our best interest in mind. Why do I rebel against that? Why do I go do my own thing? I'll tell you why. It's because of the lie of dissatisfaction. Because I'm filled up with the lie that there's something better, that I'm running late, so I need to be able to get there because I didn't prepare in advance anyway. And so and and that I deserve this because this has happened, because of the da, 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 da. and we just get filled up with the justification of that lie, and before you know it, we're living in sin. Before 
before we know it, we're broken down. We've destroyed other people's lives because of our sin. Why? All because I'm deserving of it. God kept me from good things. He shouldn't have. All because, you know what, there's something better. And so some of you grew up around the church and you went off in your teenage and college age years. You went off crazy in the sin. Why? Because of this lie right here. That there was something better. There was something out there that you were missing out on. In fact, they would tell you that you're a Christian. (laughs) You believe that there's a God who created all this? Like, are you crazy? What are you talking about? You believe the earth is only 6,000 years old? (laughs) You are so immature. Oh, my God. You are so sheltered. Oh, my goodness. That's why a lot of our homeschoolers, once they go off to college, would lose their mind. Because they had never been attacked like that. And they're being attacked with all these lies. And then how can you be satisfied with this? You're going to be a virgin when you get married? How are you going to know how to drive the car if you don't test drive it? I had a parent tell me that in reference to his son. We were teaching him to live holy, live right, like the Bible says. How's he going to know? If he don't test drive a little bit, you got all kinds of pretty girls in that youth group, let him have some. I was like, I will knock you out right here, sir, upside your head. Why? Because somehow I'm missing out on something. That's the whole lie of this dissatisfaction. And guys, we have bought into it in certain areas of our life. We're not satisfied. Listen, is it, do you really got to go to the next job? What's so wrong with this one? Listen, is, 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 is she really that bad of a wife? Is he really that bad of a husband? Are your kids really that stupid? They're not that. They're your kids. They're beautiful. They're wonderful. And yeah, everything may not be perfect, but life isn't perfect. And you ask someone who's been through two and three and four divorces and remarried two and three and four times, they'll tell you, I should have stopped with the first one. Because retraining these other five has been so hard. Oh, my goodness. Come on, somebody. Look at Psalms chapter 25 one more time in verse 4. Show me your ways. Whose ways? Your ways. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth. See, here's the problem. We've got all the truth, quote, of the world and the world system in us. Or what you and I would call the lies of the enemy. We know how to manipulate. We know how to get ahead of everybody else. We know how to outwork everybody else. But it's really hard to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean out to your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. It's really hard to be kind and gentle to those who've been disruptive and, har- and harmful. When the Bible says, love your enemy and pray for those who, who've sinned against you. Wait a minute. What, what I've been taught my whole life, the truth that I know about, is somebody do you dirty, you do them back real quick. And now teach them not to do it again. See, those lies have filled us. Because why? That's worldly lies. And it's what we, but what the world has done and what you and I have done is we've accepted them as truth. And so we don't understand. And again, what's our key scripture for the whole series? You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You don't get freedom by just praying. You get freedom by knowing the truth. You get bound by receiving lies. So we got to get unbound. we got to get free by knowing the truth. And the only way you can know the truth is to get into the word and understand it. And let's remove the lies so that we can receive the truth and let that seminate inside of us to the place where, I don't know if you ever had a grandma that was one in prayer. We had a number of them in the church I grew up in, and they wouldn't get mad about nothing. Oh, baby, we're just going to put that before the Lord. He'll fix them. I'm like, no, we need to stab them right now. No, baby, we're just going to put it before the Lord will do something. They just pray, speak the word of God over, and I'm over there having a mental breakdown. And about three or four weeks into it, God would do something miraculous. See, baby, I told you, just trust the Lord. Lean not to your own understanding. And all your ways acknowledge him. See, you don't know the word too well. I, I'm preaching the word. I know it, but I've also got this in the way of this. That's the problem. So you and I want to dig those things out. And his great big number one lie. Dissatisfaction. 
That's why some of you jump from church to church to church to church. Relationship, relationship, relationship. Job, 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 job. Because you don't know how to just be satisfied. Look what Proverbs says. Check this one out. Proverbs 19, 23. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Now that word fear, for some of you that are new to Christ, in our English language, fear means, oh my, terror. Like stepdad beating me. That's not what it's talking about. The respect and trust. So the respect and trust of the Lord leads to life. And he who has it will abide in, say it out loud, will abide in satisfaction. I was in Africa years ago and they didn't know they were poor. They had no idea they were poor. Didn't care. I'll never forget, we got a bunch of these young people saved. We're just out in the middle of a field. There's trash everywhere. It's in Nairobi. And uh, they got saved. And the person that was with us was African, was from Kenya. And they knew this little song. Uh, I think it went something like, Jambu. And so we started singing it. Next thing I know, this kid grabs this milk carton and a stick. Another kid grabs two pieces of metal like trash in this field like, like a dump, like somebody should have and started scraping it together. Zick, 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 zick. He's hitting, the, he's hitting the, the milk carton. He's rubbing stick and metal things together. We're singing, and it was as though heaven had come down. It was the greatest worship moment of my life. Like I could feel God like, oh, I'm scared to open my eyes because he's standing here. And I know if you see God, you'll die. So I don't want to do that. So I'm just, and you got all these kids and they're worshiping and singing. And I actually have a picture of it. It's unbelievable. And to me, it's still the mark where heaven really came down and touched me. And in that moment, none of these kids were dissatisfied that we didn't have a guitar or, uh, you know, or, or, or a B organ or that we didn't have tracks in the background or cool lights or smoke machines. None of them struggled to worship because they were satisfied with the lot that they had. And worshiping God in my satisfaction brought about supernatural miracles miracles and some of you are so dissatisfied that no matter what God does you still will be looking across to the other side and say I wish I had more or I wish it was better and that's the lie of dissatisfaction that's the way he's tricked humanity and it's the reason why we lost perfection it's the reason why we became sinners all because of this one lie that it's not good enough there's more there's something better and that's striving to get to it that's striving to get to it Jamie and I have done many many counseling appointments and we're looking at that dude or at that wife who's now cheated on that husband or cheated on that wife multiple times. And they know it's sin. They know they're destroying their family. And that spouse is willing to forgive them in that moment. You can see in their eyes. Yeah, but there's something better out there. And I don't want to miss out on it. majority of our millennials really struggle right now to get married because of this whole comparison thing that's happening in social media. So they just, they got a good relationship going, but they wonder, is there something better out there? I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out because there's so, so many options. And so as a result, they can't make a decision. And they can't live with that decision. Why? Because of dissatisfaction. The lie of dissatisfaction. Look what Paul said in Philippians 4 and verse 12. He says, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret. Everybody says, shh, secret. Say it again. It's a secret. He said, I've learned the secret of being content in any in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul said, I've learned it. In other words, I had to learn it because I didn't have it naturally. Why? Because I grew up 
with the lie of dissatisfaction. More, got to do more, got to minister more, got to get, got to accomplish more, got to make more money. Paul said, I've learned the secret of contentment. I've learned the truth. The contentment is great gain. To just trust in the Lord. Again, dissatisfaction is an attack that the enemy makes against you trusting God in all his ways. You mean to tell me God doesn't love you enough to give you the right husband? You mean to tell me God doesn't love you enough and is trying to punish you by giving you a poopy job? Do you mean to tell me God made you weak in this area because he wants to teach you how bad you are? See, what has happened is the lie of dissatisfaction is an attack against you completely trusting God in all things. He said, I've learned whether I'm hungry or whether I'm fat and all more food and I know what to do it, to be content. I trust God. I trust God whether I'm being beat for the gospel or whether they're jumping up and down and trying to make me a God. I, tr- I'm, I have learned to be content in whatever the situation is. God is good. Come on, all the time. All the time, God is good. And that attack against that is the lie of dissatisfaction. So let me give you a couple of symptoms We'll start closing out here. A couple of symptoms that you and I have received the lie of dissatisfaction. A couple of symptoms of them. Number one, you're frustrated. You're frustrated. Did we lose the screens? Our computer shot that blew out. Number one, you're frustrated. Never sat, it, it, you're frustrated. I get around people all the time, good Christian people. They're just frustrated. Like, what are you frustrated about? Your husband loves you, your kids are great. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, ooh, those butts are going to get in the way. You're frustrated. Why are you frustrated? Listen, you live in the United States of America. You need to go do a mission trip somewhere and see how great you have it. I'm telling you right now, you need to go and re- listen. You go, go visit Venezuela for about a year. Don't go for a couple weekends to a tourism place. No, nah, go live up amongst them. Go, go live in another country for a little bit. All my international friends will tell you, you Americans are so spoiled. You don't know what you got. Yeah, we may not always have the best leadership, but man, we live in America. It's, one, it's the greatest country in the history of the world. Listen, you get to have an opinion. You can throw it all out there on social media and nobody comes to your house and kills you. I mean, you, they, they don't show up. Military might and say, you, you talk bad against our leader. Boom. I mean, you ought to go visit our friends in China and the fear that they live under, even to this day. I mean, we... You, what are we frustrated about? You got a house. You obviously have a car. You got here. I didn't see none of y'all walking. You got nice clothes. You got more pairs of shoes than most people in the world have combined. If we took all the American shoes, I'm telling you, you got, you got more pairs of underwear. I'm, we are blessed. So why are we frustrated? Because the lie of dissatisfaction. Here's another symptom, second symptom, and that is you can't be grateful. You can't be grateful. Guys, listen, I want you to know something. I remember being driven to where it was never good enough in ministry. 50 people saved. I wanted 100 people saved a week. 25 people starting small groups. No, I wanted 100 people starting small groups. I can remember the lie of dissatisfaction reigning and ruling in my life. And all the deliverance that came when I just began to trust the Lord with whatever, however he needed me. And, And now we have this beautiful church I don't want a church of 20, 80, 30, 100,000. I want you. So when you show up brand new to our church, I'm so grateful. Because I remember no one ever came. I remember being in, in services where nobody knew ever showed up. And when you make your decision, yes, Pastor, I want to serve God. It's time to make a change. I remember when no one got saved. I am so grateful. 
I'm so grateful, but in other areas, other areas, dissatisfaction has gotten, and I'm not grateful. I want you to ask yourself, where are you ungrateful at? It's a sign of the lie of dissatisfaction. It's a symptom. Here's the third symptom of the lie of dissatisfaction, and that is you can't stop dreaming about what it could be like. You can't stop dreaming about what it could be like. And I get it. We live in the United States of America, and yes, God gave us, gave us opportunity to grow and do, make things better. But can you just be satisfied with what God's done now and what he's going to do in the future? And stop dreaming past. I can't tell you how many times we've sat there and said, bro, I know you say, yes, you want to be married to her, but all I hear coming out of your mouth is how it could be better with somebody else. You've gotten a lie of dissatisfaction. And it's permeated you. It's filled you up. And no matter what, Miss Jamie and I tell you guys, no matter what the Word of God says, even if I prophesy, if Jesus himself showed up, you wouldn't receive it. Why? Because you're filled up with dissatisfaction. You've got to empty that out. And you know what? That's when sometimes when, the, when world, the world and the world system strikes us the worst, right? In that moment, they eat of it. I got what I wanted. I got it. My eyes are going to be open like God. I'm going to know good from evil like God. <laughs> Destroyed everything in a desire of dissatisfaction. Here's the last and final symptom, and that is you blame someone else from keeping you from what you want. You blame someone else. It's always someone, my kids, never forget Jamie and I counseling this one gal, three or four kids. My kids have kept me from being able to be the person I'm called to be. If I wouldn't have had these kids, I'd be ministering all over the world. Really? So it's the kid's fault. How'd you get there? Same thing he said. God knows. God's keeping you from knowing like truth. He's keeping you from the knowledge of good and evil. God, who created all this beauty for you, he don't want you to have it. He's in the way. So rebel against him so that you can have what you think you want now that I've convinced you that what you have is not good enough. Guys, let me tell you something. You and I need to learn as we walk in the fear of the Lord, it will bring us to a place of satisfaction. God is good. His directives in Scripture, when He calls drunkenness a sin, it's sin. Not because He wants to keep you from having you know, your, little, you know, your little stupor time, your little medication time. Because He knows that it's going to hurt you and hurt others. Cause you not to be the person that you want to be. The person that he made you to be. When he tells you don't have sex outside of marriage, it's not because he's mad at you trying to keep fun away from you. He created sex and he created the fun of sex. Why does he do that? Because he knows the destruction. That that'll cost your life. When he tells you to forgive those who sinned against you. Why? Because he knows what bitterness will do. After year, after year, after year. Why? Because he loves us. In fact, the word of God says all good, precious gifts come down from the Father. You and I have to put our trust back in him and learn that satisfaction in him, he's all I need. He's all I could ever want. We sing these songs. You're all I want. Help me know you are near. We sing them, but they need to become more of who we are. God, you really are all I want. Really, listen, Lord, you satisfy me. And Lord, in being satisfied, you will give me good gifts. And you know exactly what I have need of.
Don't you do that with your kids? I give one kid one thing and I don't give the other kid the exact same thing. Not because it's favoritism, because this one is at an age and a responsibility and a place of maturity they can handle that. I'm not giving the 10-year-old her own car. No matter how much she asks for it. Not. She's not ready for it. I'm going to one day, and it'll probably end up being better than the other one's got because we have more money now. Are you with me? God has your best interest in mind, but if you're caught up in dissatisfaction, it'll destroy you, and that thing, no matter what we say, no matter what the Word of God says, no matter what God does, it'll never be enough. Would you stand with me all across the room? You guys have been magnificent this morning. You got real quiet, so either I've hurt your feelings, or the truth is trying to set you free. Amen. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me across the room? I'm just asking you to do that so you can have a private moment with the Lord to give you some private space and a room full of people. Are you ungrateful? Do you dream about how much better it is somewhere else, with someone else, doing something else? These are symptoms. Are you constantly talking about how so-and-so or such-and-such kept you from being, doing, and having what you want? Do you find yourself thinking about how it's better somewhere else, better with somebody else? Do you struggle to embrace satisfaction in God, contentment in Christ? I know I do. I know there's some lies that I bought into that I have allowed to germinate inside of me from the pit of hell didn't know it at the time I called it leadership I called it being an American and making things better so with every head bowed and every eye closed would you just take a moment and if you feel like this word is speaking to you I want you to ask the Lord for help I want you to tell him I want you to go back to our key scripture Lord show me your truth show me your ways I thought what I was living, I thought what I was doing was right. When Paul the Apostle was going around killing Christians in the name of the Lord, he thought he was doing it in the name of God. And when he realized and had a revelation of what he was doing, he took two, two, three years to go find himself. What was he doing? He was digging out the lies. Embracing the truths of God's word and who he was and who the Messiah was. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name you'd forgive us, Lord, for dissatisfaction. Lord, for going back to the same original lie that Satan used in the garden, the same lie that he used to, to destroy humanity, to get us thinking, well, this ain't good enough. There must be something else, and I can't be satisfied with what God's done now. And I feel insecure. I feel frustrated about this and that and the other. Lord, I just ask you right now to heal us, deliver us, set us free. Make us aware, Lord God, where we've missed you. God, show us, oh God, your truth. Show us your ways. We declare that you are God and you are my Lord. Lord, we declare right now, Lord Jesus, that we fear you, we respect you, we trust you. Lord, as a result, your word says that we'll live a life of satisfaction. God, I want to be satisfied in you. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that crossing that line, chasing after sin, the directives that you've given us, going against them, Lord God, they do not help. They do, not, they do not fulfill. They do lead to death and destruction. So, Lord, I pray that every one of the members of Church on the Hill, everyone watching by way of podcast, everyone that is visiting and connecting with Church on the Hill, Lord God, I pray that they would learn that quickly, Lord God, that rightness with you 
Rightness with you is good. It's satisfactory. That chasing sin only leads to death and destruction. And Adam and Eve proved that in the garden. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're away from God, I'd like to pray with you. You say, Pastor, I, I'm not a Christian. I'm not serving God. Friend, I've been there. And I'd like to pray with you. I don't want to call you forward. I don't want to make a point of everybody knowing that's what you're, where you're at and what you're going through. But I want to give you an opportunity to make a change today. Maybe you say, Pastor, I used to be a Christian, but you know, like you talked about, I've been crossing those lines. I've been living in sin. I'm pretty sure that if I died today, I wouldn't go to heaven. I've been there as well. Well, the Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, that he will forgive you and he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He'll call you sons and daughters. Tonight, excuse me, this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you feel God's tugging at your heart, don't push him away. All of heaven is sitting on the edge of their seat wondering, is this going to be the moment? The angels are on the edge of their seat. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when one sinner turns its heart back to the Lord. Today, I want to give you that opportunity. Heaven is waiting. They're wondering, is she going to push me away again? Is she going to push, push the Lord away again? Is he going to do it again or is he going to let this be the moment where he humbles himself and receives Christ? If today you're ready to receive Christ, you're ready for a change, you're ready to stop living the way you've been living, you want to know that you know that you know that you're his, would you let me lead you in a prayer of repentance? Would you let me introduce you to the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Would you accept what he did for you on the cross 2,000 years ago? He paid your debt. He paid it forward. He paid for every one of your sins that you'll ever commit. You and I just have to receive it. We have to open the count. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, say, Pastor, that's me. It's time. I'm ready to serve the Lord. I'm ready to come back to Jesus. With no one looking around, if that's you, just throw your hands up right where you're at. I want to pray with you across the room. Thank you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sweetheart. Anybody? Thank you, sir. Thanks for your honesty. Anybody else? Amen. Give you about three seconds. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your, re- your, your genuineness. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you, love. Amen. You can put it back down. Is there anybody else that hadn't gotten? Thank you. I saw it. Amen. I want to lead you in this prayer of repentance. In fact, I'm going to ask everyone in the audience to pray it out loud. For those of you that lifted your hand, maybe you're coming back to God or maybe you've never been a Christian. You're making him the Lord of your life for the first time. I don't think there's anything magical about this prayer. I think what's supernatural is that you responded to God tugging at your heart today. I mean, come on, you didn't come to church accidentally. You knew good and well that God would be here and that the people of God were worshiping him and you knew good and well where you stood with him. But today you responded. Thank you for your honesty. Now let's give our lives to him completely. Would you pray this prayer like this? Say, Jesus, today I admit I'm a sinner and I ask you now, to forgive me of my sin. I acknowledge that I've lived for myself, but starting today, I want to live for you. Write my name in your book of life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Transform me here and now. Jesus, I declare in front of everyone, you are my Lord. I love you, Jesus, and I promise to serve you all my days in Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every man and woman who prayed that prayer, maybe for the first time, maybe for the hundredth time, maybe for the 10 billionth time, giving their life back to you, Lord. I pray right now, peace would come. Lord, in that space where there has been fear, 
and worry and anxiety that they weren't going to be good enough, that you weren't going to really love them, that, you, that, that, that they didn't really mean it, that they were going to just go back and forth to the same old sin. Lord, I pray in this moment they recognize a miracle has happened because it's not based on their merit or their goodness or their ability to be good or bad. It's based on the fact that you now live and abide in us and with us, oh God, your Holy Spirit's inside of us. And Lord, that you will give us power to overcome the old temptations, the old sin habits. You're breaking us free. And Lord, as we learn your truth, as we grow in your word, all the junk that has permeated, all the lies, Lord God, that have, have held us captive, Lord God, are going to start breaking loose until we start seeing it the way you see it. And we start knowing you for who you really are. And so, Lord, I thank you for that beautiful journey that's ahead. And I speak peace over every one of these men and women of God who lifted their hand, prayed that prayer for the first time or for coming back to you, Lord God. I thank you that right now they'll know they're yours. And they'll be yours all their days. In the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people shouted amen and amen.